Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Off Takes, the podcast where we are decoding the voluntary carbon market, talking about all things carbon offsets, carbon credits, environmental, hosted, as always, by me, Kyle, and my good friend, Derek. Derek, how are you today? Hi, Kyle. I'm doing good, thanks. And I'm in the office today. Oh, that's magical. I'm still in yeah. my basement. That's where I like <laughs> to record these things. But it's another Basement's exciting good, episode. Though. Hey, thank you. You know what? I would try. We got a nice sofa there. Um, yeah. Grandfather's sculpture over the other side. Uh, but we're not just here to talk about my basement decor, of course. We are here to to take our series on carbon credits just a little bit further. Um, so if you're just joining us, I think go back, listen to started episode three, carbon credits part one. Uh, and then, you know, today we're kind of picking up that conversation. Of course, what I do want to get out of the way first is today we are going to talk about prices, buying, investing in in the carbon offsets, carbon credit market. Um, none of this, of course, constitutes investment advice. Uh, carbon credits are inherently risky process, uh, and we wholeheartedly encourage that you talk to your investment professional to see if they're right for you. With that out of the way... Um, you know, we quick little run through. We, we've obviously talked about what these things are, um, what makes quality, whether, you know, talked about things like permanence and baseline and additionality, uh, different types of, of offsets like avoidance versus removal. Uh, we've been through supply and demand and what the market dynamics look like, uh, and kind of who the players are in the voluntary carbon market. Uh, and so today we're we're really kind of looking at it from the company perspective. Like how do they how do they actually buy these things? Where do they get them? Who do they get them from? Uh, how again can I as an individual participate? So um, how's that sound, Derek? Do you want to get this conversation started or what? Yeah, it sounds good. That's awesome. Let's, let's go. do it. So the, I mean, the end user, the end purpose of a carbon offset or a carbon credit, we use the two terms interchangeably here, um, is to, to offset some emissions, right? So it, would you say like, is this primarily like bought by companies? Yeah, I th- I would say that's a, that's a fair statement. Are they statement. the end it's, user? They, they, I mean, technically the end user could be anybody. It could be a company okay. or it could be an individual, but mostly it's companies. Right. And and are they not necessarily buying for retirement? Or I guess maybe we should define retirement, right? What What is retirement here? So retirement is when the carbon credit is the, the claim that, you know, one ton of carbon has been either removed or avoided from entering that atmosphere, the atmosphere, that claim has been, has been, validated or used so that carbon credit can no longer be traded it is now retired right Right. so um yeah retirement is like that's the net part of net zero right i have emitted carbon over here and now i am retiring an offset over here to get to zero yeah once you've retired a carbon credit 
you cannot trade it anymore, you can't sell it anymore, that carbon benefit has been claimed. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. So, um, you know, said individuals can buy this stuff too. Uh, I think I had I had my own experience doing that. Uh, I I bought some some offsets from from a registry and um, they just retired it on my behalf. Didn't even ask, which was which was very sweet of them. Uh, so I I helped sponsor uh, a, a good project, a cook stove project in in Africa, and you know the few tons that I bought were retired on my behalf. But companies don't necessarily immediately retire. Is that right? No, com- companies can uh, buy and hold, um, and or buy and. Yeah, well, they buy and hold, so hoping that you know it'll appreciate, and then they resell it to other companies um, in the future. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, ultimately, it's going to be some form of company, most likely some form of company that's going to retire and use this offset. And and the reason is because, you know, most you know, products that we use, you and I, you know, individuals use, are made by a company. And so yeah. that company, when they do scope one, scope two, and scope three carbon accounting, which you you know we talked about in I think it was episode um, two, they you know if they do that accounting correctly, the emissions associated with whatever product it is we are using gets accounted for by that company. So that company is oh. responsible, right, for that emission. So. That's why most of the end user, technically most of the end user of carbon credits should be companies. Okay, that, that's interesting. So just a quick refresher for, for emission scopes for people. Um, scope one is is like resource extraction and manufacturing of a product. Scope two is, is a company or organization's operations, like the electricity they use to keep the lights on in their offices, run their computers, that kind of thing. And scope three is the end use of their product, right? So what I just heard you say is like, um, well, not for me, because I, I, I'm lucky enough and privileged enough to have a, a, an electric vehicle now, which I'm very right. happy about. But right. when I had an internal combustion car, you're, you're telling me that ultimately um, uh, Volkswagen in this case was responsible for my emissions from the use of the car. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. When you burn well, that's good news for me. <laughs> Yeah, when you burn gasoline to run, you know, my, my, you know, your 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 car or or my SUV, um, then Volkswagen or whichever manufacturer, if they account for scope three emissions in their climate targets, which they are, or at least companies are stri- striving to, then that gets accounted towards their footprint, and therefore now they are they're responsible for re- reducing their emissions to account for that. Interesting. Okay. So, and, and what about, what about the gas company there? Cause it kind of seems like, you know, maybe two parties involved here. Um, Volkswagen didn't sell me the gas, uh, you know, mm. uh, Shell sold me the gas. So who owns mm-hmm. the scope three emission there? That, that is a very astute observation. So basically there is overlap. So Technically, the car company Volkswagen is responsible for that scope three emissions of burning the gasoline, and so is let's just say Exxon in this case. Okay. Um, but that is that is actually by design. It's a conscious, you know, methodolo- um, methodological methodology choice, um, right? To, to to basically sh- show that it's a recognition of the shared responsibility between 
you know, the car maker and the gas or the, the energy producer so that both can try to account for that scope three emissions. And, and essentially we're, you know, kind of double counting, but for, for, for good, good sake. For benefit, it sounds like, I mean, I I guess, you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing here is that, you know, one, it's on me, personal responsibility, drive less, choose a more fuel efficient car. I think there's some economic imperative to do that. Um, But also, Hey, if, if I keep driving like I'm driving, maybe the cost of gas is going to rise because Exxon has to bake into the cost of, of, of scope three emissions. But there is this benefit from all parties trying to reduce and then offsets are available in, the, in those instances where, where really the emission, the use of their product um, should be handled by them. That's correct. That's correct. And, and you know, that's... Okay. People always say, think like, you know, what can I do to sort of uh, against climate change, the individual actions I can take. And you're right, we, we should be reducing our consumption and you know, reducing our own footprint, whether it's to, to drive less or to you know, bike or, or what have you. But at the end of the day, all of the products that we use, those that's where the bulk of the emissions are coming from. So if you really want to make a dent in climate change, a- addressing those emissions is where you should start and, you know, we obviously are biased, but carbon credits are probably the most direct way to actually make that that impact yeah. on climate. C- certainly for the emissions that can't be removed from a supply chain, like immediately, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, I mean, that that feels like good news in in some respects. I like that. You know, sometimes this conversation's a bit uh, doom and gloom, right. but having good news in there uh, and and knowing that it's it's not just a personal responsibility. I think we've heard that so many times. Like you as an individual need to reduce and reuse and and, and whatnot. But but realistically, companies, large organizations, the people who supply us with the things that we need in our day to day life, they are largely responsible for, for mitigating these emissions, which I guess, you know, back from that tangent, then when, when there's so much for a company to consider in terms of, of what they need from a portfolio of offsets in order to achieve these goals, how do they choose what to buy? Well, most companies or most companies don't have sort of a, let's call it a sustainability team or a very small one that have, you know, robust capabilities to determine the quality of carbon credits they're buying, like A, what to buy, and then B, mm-hmm. whatever it is they need to buy, whether or not that's good quality. So they will turn to, you know, a consultant, a third party to do that carbon accounting for them. And then that mm-hmm. consultant, that third party would then buy those offsets uh, on on their behalf from an exchange, like for example CBL, um, or they have some bilateral agreements with the projects directly. Right. So, but but I think you know what I've I've heard you say in the past is like really only the larger entities or larger organizations are going to have the ability for that bilateral agreement. If I, if I'm a if I'm not. Google or Apple or Shell or mm. whomever who has this, you know, team of suspe- sustainability, um, I I'm relying on another third party to to help me understand what my impact is and how to use offsets of part of the strategy to to mitigate that impact. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But where do they get the offsets from? Yeah, so like if they're they... not going straight to the project because maybe they. You know, obviously, your big company, you can give money straight to a project and just like 
vacuum up that supply of offsets for mm. your own use. But if you can't do that, where are you buying offsets? So there are a few exchanges that you know you can get them from. Um, for example, CBL is one of them. Mm -hmm. But the volume on there is still very low and the market's still sort of fairly fragmented. P part of the reason is because it's just a hot commodity. You know, it's mm. everyone wants to go direct and everyone wants to, even if, if they can't, everyone wants to buy them, especially the high quality credit. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, it, it, it's a high value asset. And so there's just not that many of them, but there are some centralized exchanges that you can get them from. Um, there's a lot of brokers as well that you can you can buy these credits okay. from. Yeah. Now, um, you this is said for companies, a couple... by the way. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that I mean, like that that's going to answer a question for me right there. But I think maybe it it, it bears saying again, mm -hmm. it's not like the NYSE. Well, I can't really buy directly from the NYSE. I call up my my broker and I say, buy me, you know, ten shares in in whatever. But like. As an individual, there's no broker I can call and say, hey, buy me 10 tons of this carbon. Do I have that no. right? Yeah, that's correct. Huh. So there are there are companies who are buying these, these carbon credits or these offsets uh, not to retire, but to hold and then resell them um, as the price goes up. Because let's, let's be honest, I mean, carbon credits are, they're, they're the base commodity of, of sustainability going forward, right? So Okay, um, but you know there there is no way for an individual currently to buy uh, sort of any meaningful amount of carbon credits to to hold. Um, you can buy them to to offset your own emissions, um, but right. there's like, really like no I way did. for you to buy them. Like you did exactly. Yeah. But there's no way. Like if you want to potentially make some money out of it, hold it um, as the price goes up. There's no way for you to to participate as an individual. Hmm. So. I mean, you you mentioned a couple of things here too. I, I, I've there's the bilateral agreements. It sounds like there's consultants involved with carbon accounting. Um, you know, before I go too far, just just quickly, what's carbon accounting so so folks can understand that? Yeah, so carbon accounting is essentially you know figuring out how much emissions uh, a company has. So um, doing the, the math to quantify the the carbon footprint of any particular company and. You know, you you talked about this in, I guess it was the the also the second or or third episode, but um, they do that through essentially a series of of models um, that are calibrated with their own supply chains. Hmm. Okay. So I am, you know, I'm a mid sized company. I've had some carbon accountants come in, tell me what I need, and now I'm going to a broker. And that broker is maybe going to an exchange and that exchange is maybe going to somebody else. And then that person maybe knows a project directly somewhere. Is it, do I have that right? Yeah, that's correct. There's various parties involved. Um, some of them sort of, you know, they, their, their sole value is just knowing somebody who has access to, you know, the carbon credits. Interesting. So it sounds like there's, you know, potentially in that in that chain of being or that 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 life cycle of an offset, many hands touch it along the way. Um, what are some of the pitfalls of, of, of that experience? Because I think, you know, for the average retail investor, you think mm -hmm. I go buy a stock, I 
I, I go to my my bank. I open my my direct invest account. I I I know it's not this simple, by the way. Um, and I put in buy you know six shares of IBM and uh, at this price. And lo and behold, in a day or so, those six shares of IBM show up in my self directed account. But it sounds like that is not the case here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, with with carbon credits, it kind of goes through a few hands and a few parties, and so. Um, the first thing is that, you know, there's, when you have exchanged, you know, different uh, middlemen, they're taking a cut. Um, mm. And so that increases the prices that, you know, you're, you're paying. Um, and B, uh, because there's more middlemen involved, the time that it takes you to actually be able to buy and purchase these, these carbon credits from the time it's you know, you place an order to when it's accredited to your account or under your name, at least, uh, it takes time. Often sort of a couple of like days kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It, um, it kind of actually sounds to me like that's an opportunity for me as a person, like an individual mm -hmm. to, to be a middleman, to be a middle person in, in all of this. Um, but it also sounds like there's an opportunity to shorten the chain, uh, between project and 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 retiring party um right which is what you and i are, are working on with with our respective yeah, true apps. true yeah <laughs> uh but i i think it like you know it it's it's worth talking about that like this is not i would not characterize it as a democratic market right there's not access to the individual no. um there's a lot of gatekeepers along the way and mm -hmm. that high amount of gatekeeping is, I think, doing two things. One, you know, potentially creating some price bottlenecks, some capital bottlenecks that probably slow down projects. Mm -hmm. uh, but then two, it, it, it's ultimately making it uh, maybe more challenging for the, the offset to be used in its intended purpose, right? Um, yeah, that's correct. I mean, that you know, there's there are many brokers um, involved in in the carbon credit markets and in, in the carbon markets, and so you know, it's not really in their best interest to have a lot of retail investors participate because then you know, they make less um, because now right. that arbitrage, that margin, is being made by the retail investors. Um, so. If only there were a couple of apps that let people do this, right? Yeah. Soon. Which is, you yeah. know, hey, here's a plug. Join the waitlist, midoricarbon.com. Join the waitlist yeah. uh, if you're if you're going to be in Asia, wealthgreen.app. Um, great, yeah. You know, get get involved, join the movement and try and and help democratize these markets and I think spur investment in the projects like ultimately you know, that's the altruistic opportunity here, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, profit for yourself or your family, but then also spur investment in more climate projects. Because as you just mentioned, we need those, right? The supply and demand are, are uh, askew and um, the markets are moving slower than they need to. Uh, so, hey, here here comes some some new opportunities for retail investors to to put their capital into the marketplace. Right. 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 Um, sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, I was just saying, yeah, it's it's not just about making money um, and profiting off of rising sort of carbon credit prices because the demand is going up. But, you know, you mentioned a very astute point, which is that by injecting more capital and more eyeballs into this market, we're getting a lot more funds to fund new projects, you know, so more projects that are taking carbon out of the atmosphere, or at least avoiding them. And mm-hmm. you're increasing the transparency of these projects because now mm-hmm. you've got just a function of, of just more people interested in participating in these markets. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the definition of a functioning market, right? Uh, which exactly. I think we're, we're getting towards, right? We're getting there. Um, and I think many in the industry right now would say that there is a functioning market. And I don't want to suggest that there isn't, but there could be a better functioning market, I think, is, is what our thesis is here. Um, yes, it's a whole comparison so, between public and private markets, right? Like public right. markets operate so much more efficiently than right. private markets. So right. In this case, it's exactly the same thing. Why not bring the public involved or get the yeah. public involved? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I, this is, we've talked a, li- a little bit about the lack of accessibility to the public. I think that's a good segue. Um, and obviously this is something that, you know, you and I each have come to this idea to solve and that's how we met each other and and that's how we birthed this podcast um but in in preparation of uh of of this project and and this podcast you know i i looked at some different ways that that me as an individual can can in fact buy offsets and one of the things that i came across in a number of places was this marriage of crypto and carbon Mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit about that yeah, so uh, so the first thing to keep in mind is that carbon is is not crypto, right? And I don't Good I don't say this with right. I don't I don't say this with you know any negative connotation. I think there are um, there are a lot of benefits for carbon credits to be on chain, for example, mm-hmm. to improve the the transparency, uh, to be able to track them so that there's no double counting, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but carbon credits are you know they're not they're not crypto projects uh right i but, i, I but guess hap- maybe yeah sorry more to the point i saw a lot of carbon that was tokenized yeah and and you're right so you know there was a lot of you know carbon that was tokenized for example with with um, the bct protocol or or others um uh you know other chains and other tokens and you know there have been some problems with that because the you know f- I'm not going to name the name of the tokens, but what what had happened is that you had a lot of low quality carbon credits that have been sitting on the shelf mm. shelves for years. They suddenly got indiscriminately tokenized and brought on chain because the protocols essentially just said, you know, that okay, if you're a Vera credit with this vintage, then you can be brought on chain. And so all of these credits got got bridged on chain and people bought them under the assumption that, Hey, it's just a carbon credit. It represents one ton of carbon, not knowing that there were these, there are quality issues with them. And so after they had bought them, they had realized after the fact that actually those credits weren't of good quality. And so the price went down Mm. and a lot of people lost a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, in, in, Obviously, you know, I, 
this isn't a crypto show. I'm not a crypto expert by any means, but mm-hmm. I, I think like uh, that's been a story this year for mm-hmm. for for things that are on chain. But it sounds like you know when we've talked about the qual the the importance of quality, it mm-hmm. and and actually the promise of putting things on chain here is enhanced transparency. It almost seems like this first effort at doing that actually ran, ran counter to those ideals because lower quality credits were in fact masked as being better quality because of the virtue of the fact that they were just in this pool with every other credit out there. Is that kind of a fair, fair thing to yeah, say? That is, that yeah. is, that is a fair thing to say. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that seems like, you know, that's not really, that, I guess that doubles down on the importance of investing in individual projects, right? Where you can understand the impact mm-hmm. and you can, as an individual investor, weigh the merits of the methodology being used and understand where those offsets are in fact being used and in the end destination. It doesn't sound like the prior attempts to tokenize carbon really were able to achieve that. Yeah, that's 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 fair to say, but I would also add that, you know, like for example, you and I where there are more and more sophisticated um efforts to make sure that the quality of a carbon credit is is as claimed. And so for example, mm-hmm. the ratings agencies, like you know how like bonds have a rating, um mm-hmm. uh, like junk bonds to sort of corporate A plus bonds, uh the same occurs, the same ha- happens with with carbon credits there are uh, reputable rating agencies who assign ratings on these projects based on an individual sort of analysis on these projects so that's that's number one and number two there are certifications certain you know upcoming certifications um, that have a lot of transparency and integrity initiatives built into them so if you have a for example a ccp rating and CCP does not, in this case, stand for the China Communist Party. It stands for the car- core carbon principles. If you have a project that has a CCP rating, that means it's actually of high quality, and it, you know, um, it's a stamp of quality, essentially. Yeah, I think you know th- that, and that's a new that's a new rating, right? Like that's that uh, framework has just been published. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from the Integrity Council uh, for the Voluntary mm-hmm. Carbon Markets. Um, we'll probably go into that a little bit deeper, I think, when we talk about registries. But th- that's uh, that's a good point, um, and it's something that you know we've seen in conversation with with people who are are sort of looking at our content on TikTok or, or whatnot uh, about how the market is regulated or assessed. And, mm-hmm. and again, that to me is one of the distinctions here too between between crypto and carbon is that there are a set of frameworks. And, and third-party agencies that provide confidence and certification to these projects that they are, in fact, meeting the claims that they are. And so, you know, as an investor, it gives me a, a greater sense of safety, I think, in, in that than, than say, something like, like crypto. Again, not talking ill of crypto. I think it's an investment product that works for, for some people, and there's lots of smart people working on that problem. And and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, to come back to what you said at the start of this little segment, which is carbon is not crypto, right? Uh, I think that's important to understand. Yeah. And I would also add to that, uh, on top of what you said is, in addition to that, these carbon credits are backed by, you know, a tangible asset, you know, in the case of, right. 
nature-based projects, it's an actual forest, or in the case of cook stoves, it's an actual person who is benefiting from the use of a cleaner right, cook, right. cleaner burning cook stove. So yeah. There's actual tangible assets um, that we're talking about here. Right. That that's I think that's a that's an important distinction to make too. Um, well, that's a that's a lot to kind of absorb here, and I think obviously we've talked. Um, really, you know, what's the end destination for this of company? How do they buy? How do they look at, you know, what they're getting? What are some of the alternatives? Um, but, you know, me as an individual, like, how do I get involved? Obviously, you know, again, get on the wait list, MidoriCarbon.com, wealthgreen.app. Uh, but what are some of the other ways that I can be involved in the market as an individual? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, currently there's not really any way for an individual to, to get involved, um, other than to, you know, to, to learn more, mm -hmm. um, and which you can do through our podcasts or through our, our channels. Um, you and I are both posting, you know, educational content. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you take nothing out of away from it, you don't download the the app and you don't join the waitlist. If you get something out of you know learning more about carbon credits, um, then you know we're also happy about that. But of course, we would love you for you to actually download the app, join the waitlist, download the app, and actually invest um, because that's where you can actually make a real difference. Um, mm -hmm. But for an individual to participate, there's you know, and that's why you and me are so passionate about this this um these two companies that we're building these apps that we're building is that you know we were frustrated with not having like tangible ways um to actually make a difference like me cycling instead of you know driving isn't is is just a drop in the bucket but when we're actually able to directly invest into projects that are removing CO2 from the atmosphere at scale. I mean, talk about, you know, when we invest in, for example, a, a nature-based project, this is a hundred thousand hectares or more of forests. I mean, we cannot, you know, as an individual that's, that's compete with that kind of scale, right? That's a lot. No, not at and all. So, yeah. yeah. So, so that's why, you know, we encourage everybody to, to tune into our podcast, um, follow us on, on Instagram, on TikTok. And sign so, up to so our wait list. Where, where can they? Where can listeners find Wealth Green uh, on on social media? So it's at Wealth Green app, and then for Midori, it's at Midori Carbon. Yeah, and and we are on TikTok and Instagram, uh, and and you know all, all the social networks that you would expect to find us. Um, you can also watch the video podcast if you're not on Spotify. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube on the. Uh, at Midori Carbon page, um, and you know lots of lots of content uh, all the time uh, to help educate you. But I hope uh, you know I hope everyone's found today educational uh, to understand more about credits. We probably wrapped up the the credits offsets conversation a little bit here. I think next week we're we're looking at um, the registries in particular and and what they are and who who they are and what they do. Uh, but I think also, you know, please reach out to us on social. If you've got any questions, uh, we would love to, to connect with you um, and, and answer your questions, you know, 
Derek and I read all the comments. Um, and yeah, just appreciate everyone who's found us so far and please, you know, tell a friend and, uh, I hope you enjoy the content that we're putting out and, you know, we're going to keep on doing this cause I think it's, uh, it's an important thing for people to know. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a f good fight to be in and, um, you know, there's an opportunity to make a, a real difference. Couldn't have said it better. Hey man. Well, thank you uh, as always for your time. We really appreciate this and we'll connect again in the next one. And, uh, yeah, hope everyone's having a, a good day wherever they're listening to this and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks Kyle. Thanks everybody.